Well, good morning. Uh, It's good to be with you in worship. As you maybe gathered from last week, we started a new sermon series in Romans chapter 8. And I just figured out at the end of last week that those are Roman numerals for for 8. Our creative team like nailed it and I just was like really slow on the uptake. So just saying that to spare you the embarrassment that I had. But what we're going to do each week of the series is we're going to read and and hear uh, the Word of God. Uh, And so I've I've got my friend Andy Wyatt who is going to read our passage, Romans 8, 9 through 11. If you have, uh, if you want to use a pew Bible, it's on page 1609 in front of you. Or uh, if you grabbed one of these Romans 8 study guides, we'd love for you to bring these each week. And if you just want to flip to the inside cover, this will be your, your text for the whole series. So Andy, hit it. Hit it. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Amen. Thank you, Andy. Well, uh, this past week, um, my, my wife kind of alerted me a few minutes before 8 o'clock uh, that we had a repairman at our house um, that we had both kind of forgot was happening that morning. And so it was 10 till 8. I'm still actually in my sweats for the, day, for the morning, and uh, my hair is kind of crazy morning hair. And there's somebody at our door in the midst of our morning routine. We've got one kid already on the bus, but everybody else is getting breakfast and getting uh, together their stuff. And here is this person kind of walking into our house. Uh, The dishes are kind of all over the place because there's breakfast. There's things all over the table. Uh, There's probably shoes blocking the doorway, I think, as he's coming in. Um, It's not the, the typical way that we welcome people into our house. And so this stranger walks in and gets a, an unvarnished, um, unedited view of the Hicks home on just a given morning. He was only there five minutes, and, and the, the good news is we're going to get a new couch cushion cover, which is always good. Um, but uh, he was there, and he gets to see this. But if, I, if we were to invite you over to our house, if we were to have you come over and, and kind of have that on the calendar, there'd probably be some things that we would do to prepare for that. We would, you know, uh, clean up, we would organize, the things that can maybe sit around during the week would get picked up, um, and we, we would want to make it feel like a hospitable space. We would, we would want you to feel comfortable and at home in our home. Mi casa es tu casa, for those of you who speak a little espanol. Isn't it, isn't it interesting, I find, that, that, uh, that the way that we know that somebody is a really close friend is that, they, that we can invite them into our home and we'll, we'll let them see it as it really is. But for everybody else, we kind of like to, to keep a little bit of the illusion up still. But what happens uh, if somebody or something or someone moves into our house, if we get somebody who moves in, we can't keep that up anymore. 
Uh, it's just, they just have to get absorbed into our life. And so if any of you have got a new pet at any point, you know that, that, that often life changes a little bit. You have to put certain things away. You have to change things. There's a process of, of kind of house training. And that really isn't about the pet. It's probably more about how you are now a, uh, you're, you're, you're the, the one who's not the master in your own home anymore. This is what I've learned. Um, for those of you who, get, who've, who are married, you know that there's this experience of coming together where, uh, you're used to one way of life, and, and now that way of life is, is very different, and you're colliding with, with, uh, with each other, and sometimes in funny ways, and sometimes in frustrating ways. Um, and the same when you have a child. Uh, when a child comes into your home, all of a sudden you have to modify almost everything about your life and schedule, and you start to wonder, how could something, someone so small take up so much space? But that's the way it works, right? Well, this morning we are, we're continuing in this second week of our, our series on Romans chapter 8. And uh, I want you to have this idea of home. We're going to come back to it in a lot of different ways today in your mind. And I want you to have this question that I think is at the heart of our, of our text today. And the question is, how do our lives change when the Holy Spirit makes his home in us? How our lives change and the Holy Spirit makes his home in us. Last week, we heard Petey preach on this first uh, section of Romans 8, verses 1 through 8. And many people uh, would say that this is their favorite chapter in the whole Bible. Um, and it's okay if it's not yours. It's okay at the end of the series. Uh, but maybe many of you would, would be those people. And it might seem to you like it's like overkill to spend seven weeks on 39 verses. I mean, how much is there to say? Are we going to be repeating ourselves? But if you've had a chance to read through it, you'd know that you kind of feel that, gosh, this is, this is dense. This is weighty. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot here. There's a lot I want to uh, dive into. Maybe there's a lot that on first reading, you're like, I don't know if I fully understand this. And so we feel like it's something that's going to be really fruitful in our lives together to read and study. I've found that this is one of the places in the Bible that I've often turned back to most, and particularly in those really difficult moments of my life, that, that it's a very deeply personal passage of the Bible. And so even when I read certain verses, I can think about what might have been going on in my life at a different point in my life when I turn to that. And those words stick with me. And I, I remember how they offered me hope in the midst of some really difficult times. So our hope in this series is not that you would get a theological merit badge for studying Romans 8. We don't, we don't give those out. There's not going to be anything like that, a certificate at the end of this series. Um, our hope that would be that you would see that these gospel promises, this truth that's in here, that it would become deeply personal to you too. And so one of the things that I want us to see kind of as we dive into this a little bit more, um, so Romans is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, and uh, he's writing to a, to a group of people, a big group of people. And so one of the things that, that you're going to see, that you see in the text is that he uses uh, plural pronouns a lot. He talks about we and us and you. Now the problem with you in the English language, you got a little grammatical problem, right? Do you mean you, you know, Eric, or do you mean you all? 
If, if, uh, if Paul had been a Texan, this would not have been as much of a problem. Um, he would just say y'all, or even if he's really feeling it, all y'all. Um, work that in. I, I wrote in my notes and somebody told me afterwards, I was like, what do Minnesotans say for like when we were talking about that? Anybody want to say it out loud with me? You, you, you guys? Yeah, you guys. So if you want to write that into the notes, uh, you guys, it's in, it's in the scripture. Um, so the interesting thing here, if you want to pull your, your study guide out or pull your Bible out, I'm going to have you do some writing or at least some circling. Um, in Romans 8, verse 2, we would expect when Paul says you in our English, we would expect that to be the y'all, you guys. That's what he's saying. But Paul, very kind of deliberately there, doesn't say that. He doesn't say the you plural. He says the singular, you. What point is he trying to make? Well, it's, it's, it's as if he wants to get across something to each of us very specifically. So if you want in your study guide or if you have a pew Bible out, you're allowed to write in those. You can just circle the word you in verse two. Um, just circle it right there. And in, in, in that word, uh, you might even, if you're feeling, you know, really feeling the, the writing stuff, you could write your name in the margin or write your name above it in the study guide and draw an arrow to that you. Because friends, the thing that I, I think that you, I want to get across and I think Paul wants us to see here is that the truth that he's communicating is meant to be personal to each one of us. That if Christ has come into your life, Christ has set you free, that he has set Molly free, that he has set Emily free, that he has set Seth free, that he has set Greg free, that he has set Jonathan free. And that is good news that each of us need to remember. And that's what Paul is trying to get across in how he says this. But the, the even better news of, of what we're going to kind of get dive into today is that's just the half of it. That's just the start, that there's more. Uh, but, but wait, there's more kind of moment. Um, so this is kind of part two to what we heard last week. So in, in verses 9 through 11, there are two words that get repeated in our Bible a few different times. So if you want to look in, uh, in verses 9, 10, and 11, four times we come across the words, in you. Really simple, really, really uh, profound truth what, of what's in there. So what do these words tell us? Well, there's, a, there's a, a paraphrase, a translation of the Bible called the message that I really like because it just has some really great vivid language. Maybe you're familiar with it. I think sometimes it can really bring to life things that we're used to hearing and we've heard a lot, but we need to hear in a new way. And so in verse nine, the message writes it out this way, that God himself has taken up residence in your life. God himself has taken up residence in your life. That in theological terms, we would describe this as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we have a habit of, of, of really liking to label or name things that we can't explain because we think it, it means that we can now understand it. Um, so we have a label for it, but what, is it, what does that mean in actuality? Well, the Bible actually has a lot to say about where God dwells. That it's, it's a major theme of the Bible that you see all the way from the Garden of Eden where God walks among his people to the tent in the wilderness, to the temple in Jerusalem, all the way to when Jesus 
enters the world in the incarnation, the way in John chapter one, it's described that Jesus comes into our world is that you could even say that Jesus tabernacled, that he came as the temple of God walking around so that we might experience the presence of God. And there is a amazing truth of the gospel here that would be a, an incredible surprise to anybody who's hearing this and who's uh, familiar with this story of scripture. And it's this, that for those of us who are in Christ, it's not just that God's presence dwells in these different places that had boundaries and, and, and rules about how they could be, God could be experienced. It's not just that God's presence came in Jesus in bodily flesh. It's that the very, that God himself comes to dwell in us, in you, in me. In our text, uh, in our, you, you might notice that uh, the way that it kind of, the language that it's used um, a few times, it uses this phrase, if the spirit of God dwells in you. And I was in a Bible study this week with James Madsen and he, he said this really well. He said, the, there's, the, the way the if gets used, it's not meant to be a conditional. This isn't a, a test that you have to pass to get or to keep the Holy Spirit. Because so often I think we think, oh, I have to live up. I have to be good enough. I have to live up to keeping the Holy Spirit in me so that I don't lose the forgiveness of God. Maybe you've had this thought in your mind. You're like, well, I know I can't lose God's forgiveness, but I know I feel right now like God is disappointed in me or that God's withholding goodness in my life because, because I'm not um, living in a certain way. Or maybe I'm, I'm going to face suffering or difficulty because of how I've disappointed God. And friends, what we need to see is that the living God of the universe, he sees us exactly as we are. That there is no room or closet or storage area of your life that's locked up and nobody gets to see that God hasn't seen the entire contents of. He knows everything that's there and ever will be there. And there is no inspection that the Holy Spirit coming to live in us is contingent upon. For those of you who've had to go through that and buying a house in any time in the recent past, we have the assurance that God is not going to change his mind because he's put down roots. It's a guarantee that his Holy Spirit's gonna be in us. And what that means is he's invested and he's invested for our transformation. So let's, let's see a little bit more of that. I want you to think again about, about what it's like to have somebody come over to your house or your apartment or place where you live um, and what it means for your life. So if, if, uh, if you're gonna have guests over to watch the Vikings game today or to, to have dinner sometime this week, um, it might require a little bit of preparation, right? You're gonna do something for, for food. You're gonna, gonna get the space ready in, in whatever way that looks like. Um, but it's pretty temporary. And there's a certain point at the end of the night where you're like, whew, I'm just glad everybody's about to go. I can get comfortable again in my own house. Ah, oh, that was fun, but like, let's not do that again for a few weeks. Um, life's gonna go back to normal. But if somebody is moving in, maybe you've had a parent come and live with you. Maybe you've had a, a grandchild. Maybe you have, again, just had a, a roommate that's moved in. Life has to change and shift. 
you can't just kind of act like that's not happening or um, that life is, is just the same as it was. I know when I got married, I never knew how many pillows I could possibly own, right? Um, and let me just say that my life is better for that, each and every one. As I've, as I've thought about this passage this week, as I've reflected on this, I, I had to admit that, that often the relationship that I want with God is more of a guest relationship than a move in and take up residence in my life relationship. Maybe you've seen where I'm going with that. What I mean is, is that, that the, I want the work of the Holy Spirit in my life when things aren't going well. I want the work of the Holy Spirit in my life to make it better as I see it. But I don't want the furniture of my life. I don't want all that is kind of in my life to get, to get reordered. I don't want it changed when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in my life. Anybody else maybe feel some of that? Well, the way Paul describes in Romans chapter eight, um, what, 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 he, what describes what's going on or what I was trying to say is uh, that for those of us who've said yes to Jesus, we now live, he says, in the realm of the spirit. I know this, it gets a little complicated here, so I'm gonna try to break it down a little bit. Uh, but he says we now live in the realm of the spirit. In fact, it means that our status and our citizenship has changed to the realm of the spirit. And that's not going to change but he says, we're still tempted to go and live in the realm of the flesh. That it's not just an occasional struggle. It's, it's, uh, it's an ongoing conflict that happens all the time. That where we forget who we are and we forget what God has done for us. And we forget that the Holy Spirit has made his home in us. So when our, our plans for our day get derailed, Instead of asking, where might God be showing up in a way that I hadn't expected today? What might he be leading me to do and be wherever he's put me? I go, that just ruined my whole day. And it's just gonna simmering frustration is just gonna exude for me the rest of the day. When, when the stock market flounders, I go, what, what is going to happen with my future and our future? Instead of saying, again, God's got my future in his hands and his control. When it snows in mid-October, in my flesh, I say, God, I can't do winter yet. I thought I had a few more weeks at least. Give me the fall colors, please. As you read Romans, you're gonna see in various ways, uh, we'll see together that the contrast between the realm of the flesh and the realm of the spirit. But the key thing in verses nine through 11 that Paul wants to say about what these two things mean is that the realm of the flesh, it leads to death. It is death. And the realm of the spirit, it, it leads to life. So you could say that there is a, there's a dead life and there's a raised life. And life versus death feels like a really easy choice. I'm gonna, I, I would prefer life. I'll take life. But, it, but so often the way it shows up in our struggle is not that easy. We feel like, a, in, in fact, that living in the realm of the spirit, it feels like death to people who don't want change to take place in our life. That uh, when we're accustomed to life in the flesh, um, opening ourselves up and allowing God to reorder what's going on in our hearts and lives, that, that feels like death. 
And, and the thing that I, maybe I hope that you would take from this passage and this morning and to walk out is um, the spirit makes his home in us so that we might be alive in Jesus. I think that's at the heart of this passage. God does not um, want us to become rule followers. God is not trying to make us into moral beings and, and to, to have more morally upright lives alone. God wants you to be alive. And the way that we have life is when we live in the realm of the spirit, when we live out of what the Holy Spirit is doing in making his home in us that we, we need the renewing life of the spirit to make us new. We need to be reshaped by our new status. A few years ago, I heard a leader from International Justice Mission uh, come and speak to the church I was at. Um, and I was familiar with IJM and their mission work. Um, and they do some incredible things. It's, IJM is a, is a ministry partner that we financially support as CPC. Uh, maybe some of you also are familiar with what they do. One aspect of their work is that they free people from, slave, from slavery all around the world. And I, I said this in the service uh, before, and somebody said, I had no idea, but there were actually more people enslaved in 2022 than at any time in history. Um, and that's uh, a, a terrible fact um, that is true. Well, um, what I heard that morning um, in this, when this woman was talking was something that I had never really considered um, that IJM does. After they free people, they actually... Um, there's actually a process that they do of kind of aftercare, and they have a name for that. And uh, what you don't realize when you haven't spent all your life in slavery um, is that for the people who have, freedom doesn't come naturally. Freedom isn't something they just instinctually understand. Freedom is actually contrary to everything that they've experienced in life. And so they do this thing called freedom school. And so there's training in how to live independently. There's training in how to actually earn, earn, earn a wage and take care of their money and how to pay for things. And there's training about how to have your kids go to school and things that we would just take for granted, but, but these folks need help with. But the part that has really grabbed my attention to this day is that they do things like they show them their fingerprint and they show how their fingerprints are different than all the other people around them and reminding them that they are unique and they teach them that, they, that all people have value and dignity. And so for these people who have been told that they are less than or worthless their whole life, they, get to, they, they hear that God values them and, and loves them and has created them and wants to know them. And so in the, in the midst of this, IJM is, is helping them understand their new status in the world and how it changes how they can live. Friends, what I think Paul is describing in Romans 8 is that we need freedom school. We need to learn how to live in light of our new status. That we are prone to going back to wanting to live in the realm of the flesh because it's what we know, we think it's gonna bring life. And what Paul wants us to hear today is, no, it, it won't. We, we, it, we know that it leads to death. And you know, too much of our lives, we're trying to hold on to that, that control, that, that control that we're, we're in charge, that comes with the realm of the flesh, and as a result, we're not experiencing the life of the spirit that God wants for us, that God is offering to us. We forget that we have the Holy Spirit in us. Friends, the spirit has come to make his home in us so that we might be alive in Jesus. 
So this morning, as, I, as we close in worship and as I close in prayer, I want you to hear an invitation that I think God wants for all of us today. I think God is inviting us to experience that freedom and peace and joy of, of the life that is in him that is made possible because the spirit is in us. Maybe you've never considered that the God of the universe would care and want to know you personally. And today, maybe the invitation for you is just to hear that you can lay down those burdens, that Jesus wants you to come to him and receive life. Maybe for, for others of you, you need to, you, you've, you've been, you need to admit, um, you need to confess that you've been keeping the doors of your life shut to God that you've wanted to wall off and keep certain parts to yourself and you don't want to, want to have him cha- bring change. But this morning he's saying, I want, I want to make you alive to experience the fullness of what I have for you. And maybe for others of you, it's just the realization that while you know that you're free, you're not feeling the life that is meant to come by the spirit. Um, today, we need, we need to ask God to, to, to enroll us in freedom school so that we might get to experience more of what he has for us. So come Holy Spirit, I pray. God, this morning, may we remember that there is no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. That may that be felt personally for each one of us. May we be reminded, may we see with new clarity what it is for us to walk out life in the realm of the spirit. God, I pray for those who maybe are, are, are wrestling with how, how good the life in the flesh can feel and look to them at this moment, that you might, might extend your arms to them and, and, and remind them and show them what true life is in you. We give you thanks for all that you're doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.